0: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is an educator, a hip-hop musician, a great father in the community, Mr. Devin Beck. Thank you for joining me. Oh, man. Thank you for having me. Man, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. You're one of the people I had in mind when I started developing this podcast. Just people who, you know, who may not have a big platform, but... They out in the community, they out and you doing great things. So it's just an honor to get to talk to you.
1: Oh, man, I, I, I truly appreciate it. Now, uh, my brother Shane Bell, he's the one that kind of set this up because you know how Facebook Messenger go. You get some messages, you don't get some. And, and he was like, hey, man, you need to <laughs> you need to holler at Lamp, man. And so and so uh, I, I have been I actually been listening to the show. Uh, I don't know if you knew that or not, but I've been listening to the show, and I started with uh, one of Shane's episodes with you, and I was like, "Man, I like what he's doing." So I just I've been continuing to listen to the show, so I'm a fan.
0: Hey man, pre- look, from, coming from you, that really means a lot. Thank you, brother.
1: Yeah.
0: So, how did you come to the decision to get in the education field?
1: Um. Well, I I feel like um, I didn't find education; education found me. Um. Uh, it was one of those things where I thought, you know, coming out of college, I went to college for radio and television broadcasting. And, uh, you know, uh, most people don't go into the field that they, you know, particularly study in college. And that was, I mean, I'm, I'm no exception to that rule. So, uh, found myself in uh, a, a level five facility where I was a teacher's assistant. And, um, you know, uh, just working with special education uh, children and, you know, doing all that, I just found a love for it. And I felt, I felt that there wasn't enough black males represented in the school system. And so I decided to, you know, change their narrative.
0: I'm glad you actually said that because you actually literally led it to my next question. Because there is a shortage of black men in education. Do you yeah. think there's anything that could be done to get more black men into the field.
1: um i want to be completely honest with you um it you you have to have one uh, a very very thick skin, and I say that because uh when you're when you're thrown into uh especially here on the shore, i mean it's a lot of white people I'm just being honest, and uh I think sometimes we see those we see certain things that may not be right to us and that might, might be a lot for some people. And you know, for a, a very a, a vast few of us, like I'm one of the ones that really got to speak up and speak out about it, you know? And um, I let it be known that like I'm advocating, I'm advocating for not all children, I mean, all children, but you know what I mean? Particularly our black males, our black females, like I just want to make sure they getting a fair shot. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially here on the
1: shore, man. See, it's weird
0: that you say the show because, you know, we in the I'm in the DMV and it's Mm -hmm. it's a lot more it's a lot more black students here. Right. I I guess that dynamic would be kind of weird because not weird, but it seemed like (laughs) okay, I want to make sure I word this right. Right. You would have a bigger impact here because there's more black students. Am I correct with that or?
1: Um well, I think I think it's it's all it's all in how you look at it. Um because I'm from here, I think I think my voice is probably would probably be more prevalent here because I'm from here. Um and, and like I've been through the educational system here. Like I'm not as well versed at how they do things in in the DC D M V area. You know what I mean? And yeah. so um I think I would I would absolutely be able to make an impact as far as being a mentor and and someone that kids look up to. But as far as me knowing what I'm talking about, like, knowing these areas, like, I know the Eastern Shore. You know what I mean? Not that I want to stay here forever, but, I mean, I just know the Eastern Shore, and I know some of the things I've seen and some of the things that I've encountered since I've been here. You know, know, I know how serious this is. Yeah,
0: I can see your point because, I mean, even though it's not a... I mean... The flip side of my first point is because there's not a lot of black kids where you're at, they do mm-hmm. need to see a familiar face. So I get that aspect of it too.
1: Well, there's a lot. There's there's a lot of black kids. There's not a lot of black educators. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, okay, okay. Well, that so, well, that's, so, that's, that's in general, really, especially when it comes yeah, to
1: yeah, yeah. And it, and, and I, I had a um I had an in depth conversation. I spoke at uh. Morgan State University uh, a year ago, two years ago. And uh, um, that was one of the things that, you know, when we sat down and spoke, like, that's what we talked about. I'm like, so how do we get Black educators to want to come to the Eastern Shore? Like, what's the draw? Like, what's the draw to get Black educators on the Eastern Shore? It can't be about money, because obviously you're gonna make more money in the DMV area. Um, Mm. If you're not from here, you probably look at this as this is a, like kind of like racist or whatever. But what what is what really, is really the draw to get people over? It? And we really could not come a, come up with a solution. That I mean, honestly, and we talked for at least an hour and a half. And um, I mean,
0: you know. it seems like it's a problem everywhere, not just the East show Because yeah. I read an article, I read an article. Um, my wife sent it to me. This is maybe about a year ago. And there's only like three, like three percent of the educators in the whole country are black men. Yeah. So that's absolutely and but I was fortunate because I grew up in the DMV. Me and when me and my wife was having this discussion, she was like, Well, how many black male teachers did you have? And I was like, actually I had quite a few. I had about five or six, maybe even more than that. I had three. Wow. I mean, but when you when you think about it, when you think about the low percentage of black male teachers, considering you had three and I had about six, that's actually not a bad deal. Yeah.
1: But it's like I had I had Mr. Brown, I had Mr. Brown in third grade, I had Mr. Green in seventh grade. And hmm. Well, see, here's the thing. I can't remember my last, I can't remember the last, maybe I had two, but, and when I, I went to a HBCU, so me going to a HBCU, then I've had black professors. You feel what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel like I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't as deprived of having black teachers because I went to an HBCU. You dig what I'm saying? Okay. Um, so, so that experience kind of changed me, you know, uh, going to a an HBCU and being able to see see the culture in a different in a different light and it gave me more uh black pride if you will you know what i mean so how did those how did those those educators
0: impact your your decision to go into the field did seeing them help you Um, make that decision
1: well uh uh god rest uh dr hedgepath uh he was a he was a, a professor that i had that um he really I think my style is kind of like his, like where he held me to a certain standard because he saw something in me that I didn't particularly see in myself. And uh, I would come in the classroom, sit in the back of the class, you know, (laughs) like I was, you know, like typical teenager, you know what I mean? And uh, at the time I was pledging uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, shout out all my brothers. And um, I would come in the back and sit in. he would be like, uh, Mr. Beck, we saved you a seat right here in the front. You know what I mean? And I used to be like, come on, man. Like, why are you pointing me? First of all, I'm pledging. So I'm in here looking crazy, but you know what I mean? Like you, you know, he would, he would make me sit in the front and he said, um, he said, you know, a lot of people fought for you to be able to sit in the front. So take advantage of them opportunities. You know what I mean? Man, that's and so, yeah. And so, I mean, and not that, I, I mean, I, I, obviously I went to HBCU, so it was all black students but he just held me to a different standard you know, and, uh, he made me work, uh, extremely hard. And, you know, I feel like I have that same mentality when it comes to my students and not that I'm not even a teacher. I'm a, I'm a pre-referral coordinator. So before a kid gets referred to special ed, you know, I go through everything with a fine tooth comb to make sure we're doing every intervention and everything we can for this kid before we label them with special ed. And so, um, you know I hold everybody to a higher standard when it comes to education, and that 's just what it is like nobody i don 't want anybody to slip through the cracks Have you actually ever been in the classroom yeah, i taught, I taught geometry I taught geometry for a year and a half i was a uh, I was a teacher 's assistant for a while i uh, I was a behavioral specialist like i i 've been in the field for over ten years. I, I
0: would, how did, how would you dis, how would you describe the experience in the classroom as opposed to the road? Uh, well, have my now?
1: experience my experience was different in the classroom because again, I worked in a level five school, so I worked in a school where all the kids had been kicked out of every school in Maryland. You know what I mean? Oh. So they was in there making shanks, and they had I mean, it was like different. It was like different. So wow. I feel like my experience wasn't like I was in a public school setting. I was in a, lo- a closed door, locked facility trying to teach. Wow. And Yeah, and so I'm trying to teach the Pythagorean theorem to kids that have been kicked out and don't know, you know, basic math. So um, for me, I feel like my, my experience was different because I left every day feeling like defeated, like I wasn't doing the best that I could. But at the at the end of the day, like it was kind of like a, that. That's a big, that's a big gap to try to fill from not knowing mental math to try to teach you geometry. Like that's you know. So I don't I don't look at it as a failure. I just look at it as an experience. You know what I mean? I can always say I did it. My geometry teacher in tenth grade told me I was stupid. So now
0: was this your fir- was this your first um, was this your first and only experience in the classroom? Yes. Yep. So how, yeah. did, I mean, how, because, I mean, you said you was always feeling defeated. How did you find the strength to to keep going, man? Um,
1: well, I mean, it, because you, you, I I was a teacher that um, kids were, they were excited to come to the class because um, I had a lot of difficulties in math when I was young, you know, and, and like I said, I had a geometry teacher tell me I was stupid, you know what I mean? in front of a whole bunch of people. I mean, you, and, and like, so me, you know, um, me doing, me experiencing that, me experiencing that and going through that, it made me say, okay, um, though these kids have a lot of things that they need to work on, I want them to see some level of success, you know? Um, okay. and, and And especially with math, it was like, I was so unsuccessful with math that it was like, man, like, I couldn't believe I was teaching geometry. But, you know, I had, a, I had a professor, Dr. Harmon, who told me, like, it's not that you don't know how to learn it, you just ain't been taught it right. So she took the time to, you know, let me figure that out. And, you know, I was off and running from there.
0: Wow. So because of, you know, because you're in the education field and you get to deal with all these kids, how does it make you feel to know that you're setting an example for the youth?
1: I am I mean, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, the same way I would look out for my own children is the way I look out for each and every kid that I come in contact with. You know, um, I, I don't want, as again, like I think of some of the experiences that I had when I was in school, I don't want children to have those same experiences. You know what I mean? And that's why we get parents that, don't want to come into the school because they had these bad experiences and not that all of my school experience was bad. I had an amazing time at school. I just have these isolated incidents that happened that, you know, kind of stuck with me, but me taking those experiences and putting that into what I do, I take it extremely serious. And I think kids need somebody that, I mean, black, white, I don't care what color you are. We need to inspire all kids. You know what I mean? And, and wow. I, I truly believe that because um, you got to have somebody that you look up to. You got to have somebody who um, who's going to push you forward, man. Life is hard enough, you know, and when you are just starting out and you don't know what you want to be and what you want to do. If you got somebody that can give you just a little bit of direction, man, that could change the trajectory of your whole life.
0: Man, definitely. I Those kids, man, I hope, you know, maybe they don't understand yet because they're young, but yeah. they're truly blessed to have. A man like you in their corner,
1: man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. I do. I do exactly. I do exactly what I would want somebody to do for my own kids. You know,
0: that's that's great. Now I want to transition to your love because you know I follow your page, and you love hip hop. Like you're a great hip hop musician. What age did what age did your love develop for hip
1: hop? Uh, it's probably around eight or nine probably around eight or nine. Like, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. Uh, and uh, I'm known, like, my family, like, even till this day, like, they be like, can you still dance like you used to? I'm like, look, man, I don't dance like Michael Jackson. Though. But, you know, that's what I was known for. Like, you know, little Devin can dance, you know? And so um, I was introduced to uh, Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane, Smooth Operator. Uh, first rap song I ever learned. And uh, I, I think from then on, it was just like, you know, um, I just always kind of had a love for for hip hop, the the beats, the drums, the, you know, just the rhyme schemes and all that. And like, before I started rapping, I didn't really start rapping myself until about 96, 97. I mean, Jay-Z changed, I heard Reasonable Doubt, that changed everything. Ready to Die, Reasonable Doubt, those two albums, made me want to rap pretty much.
0: So what was it about? Okay, let's touch on that a little bit. What, what was it mm-hmm. about those albums that made you uh, I think
1: I think um, for, for the first time, I mean, obviously I was getting a little older, but for the first time I was hearing, I was hearing rhymes where they were describing it, where I was like, yo, I could see this. I could see everything they was talking about. That was way different than me just listening to the beat or just, you know what I mean? Like, this is a cool song. Like, I could, they were so descriptive in how they rhymed. I was like, wait, I can see it. You know what I mean? And yeah, that that changed me. It changed me. It made me want to do it. And I know, you know, I tell, I tell kids now, I'm like, just because I rap, like, I'm not telling every kid to go be a rapper. Like, nah. Find something that you're passionate about, and if that's what you like to do, do it. I'm not even saying you're going to make money off of it. You know what I mean? I've been blessed to be put in a position to do what I love to do and to make money off it and, you know what I mean, make a name for myself off of it. But, you know, I would do it regardless. I would do it regardless of whether I made money off of it or not. Like, it's just, I love it that much. It's my release. I could tell, man. I've seen, um,
0: like, I could just tell, like, I listen to your music, I watch the performances, and you just bring all this energy. I was like, man, you hit. I saw... Uh, um of course, I didn't see the whole performance, but I saw clips you posted, and you was performing at. Um, it was down at the show. I guess it was like your big day, like your big early day.
1: The Mizzle Fest.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. It, what was it like? Getting, what was it like getting that call to
1: perform for that? Um, well, you know, that was my first uh, headlining show. You know, I headline. I was I was a headliner, and um, you know, for me, um, I'm not from Salisbury. You dig what I'm saying? Like I'm from Denton, Maryland, and I'm I'm a I'm not I'm I'm a, I'm just a kid from Denton, Maryland. You know, and, and uh, me to be able to have any of those experiences, man, I'm just super blessed, and, and I'm blessed to do what I love. I had an amazing time. Uh, people have been it's, it's been crazy. Like I'll be like in Walmart at the barbershop somewhere. They be like, oh, that's definitely, You know what I mean? Like, but I I really. I really, really, like, for that hour and some change that I was on stage, I lost my mind, bruh. Like, <laughs> I just- It was an hour? I, you performed the whole hour? Oh yeah, listen, I'm not no, listen. The first of here's the thing. I'm not no, I don't do no 15 minutes set. I don't, mm uh An hour, I got a live band. Like this, I really embody this whole thing. And that's why I think, you know, uh, that's where the longevity comes into play, man, like I take this thing real seriously, like it's not it, i ain't nah you're gonna get a whole show, I'm not giving no I ain't on the stage for ten minutes, two songs, and then you know I pay my dues doing that, so <laughs> you know man, man it they take get, a it take a lot world. of energy to do that though man. yeah and 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 hey, you know what i mean i ain't I ain't no spring chicken, you know what I mean, like <laughs> so it's all about conditioning and and you know. And anytime I talk to like the younger artists, they like, man, you perform for a whole hour. I'm like, yes, a whole hour, and I got songs for a whole hour, and I'm gonna rock for that whole hour. So anybody that's listening, I implore you to come see a Devin Beck show. I guarantee if you're not if you're not satisfied with the show, I give you your money back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a bold statement. You heard it
1: here first. You ain't satisfied with the show? I give you your money back.
0: Wow. Now nice. it's a song, it's a song, man, that you wrote um called Room 244. And that it, yeah. it dealt with it dealt with your mom passing. Um I mm. watched that video, man, and it literally brought me to tears. Like, how did you find the courage to not only even write the song, but just to shoot the video?
1: Um, origin of the song, I went to a uh 75th birthday party for my grandmother. God rest her soul. She just passed. And um I remember my mom was in the hospital at the time. And uh I came, I remember being at the party and you know what I mean I'm known as like in my family I'm known as the jokester, the, you know what I mean, the life of the party. You know, and I I couldn't get myself together. And it wasn't that I was like super like just crying the whole time or whatever, but I, I just didn't feel right. And so We got home, and I remember Sam Wiz Cook, who produced the record. He had sent me, like, three beats. And um, I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I turned on that particular record. And uh, the beginning of it, it sounds like it's, like, a tape rewinding or something. And the first thing I wrote on the the page was, I wish I could rewind time. Mm. And... um, it just, you know, me me, just, it just came out. And, it, it, and my, like I said, I wrote that song while my mom was still living. And um, I got to play it for her on her deathbed. So, um, it, yeah, man. So, it, you know, that, that song, that song is probably, that, no, hands down, that's the most important song I've ever written, you know? And um, it's just something that will, it's something that I've been able to do for her that will live on forever. You know what I mean? Like, I, every year around Lupus, uh, when, when Lupus Awareness Month is, I post it. I make donations to Lupus Awareness, the Lupus Foundation, and, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, it, it, it'll always keep her name alive, you know? And um, I, I'm grateful that people can connect with it. And I don't care what kind of music you listen to, um, I feel like that's a song that, that's universal for everybody and and shooting the video like was uh, it, hardest was, thing i've ever done it, I, I could t- i like
0: i watched i told you man i watched it
1: and
0: man that that', that hard video. hardest
1: i mean oh. um uh shout out to uh cakes mitchell uh he 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 shot that video and um we were blessed to uh, get the like i remember i just wanted a room in uh the hospital that i had reached out to they gave us a whole third floor and um that you know, that that I just looked at that as mom's looking out. You know what I mean? And and uh it it was it was extremely difficult to shoot that video because at the time when I shot that, it was probably she had probably had passed like a year before. So I mean, and it's been six years and it's still fresh to me. So you can imagine then, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, somehow I got through it and um it turned out the way it turned out. And you know, people that find that video, man, they're you know they're often like blown away, like wow, you know, and and in hip hop, in hip hop, I had never, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's happened, but I had never seen that type of emotion in a hip hop song.
0: I could tell you, I I never had like yeah, um, I'm I'm being I'm not being biased or anything. I never seen yeah. anything like that. Like I I got to tip my hat to you to me because I'm gonna be honest, man, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't
1: have yeah. it Yeah, man. And, and and you know, it's, it's. I, I wanted, the song is so special because um, we say, I saved uh, voice messages from her and know that that's her voice. You know what I mean? And, and like, I remember my little brother telling me that, you know, he often listens to the song just to hear her voice. And so it's deeper than just, a song, you feel what I'm saying? Like if yeah. if I do something, if I do something that's incredibly like if I do something where I would want to hear her tell me like how proud she is of me, I'll play that song, and it's like she's talking to me. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, um, and I mean it was a message to me, but like the fact that my brother can listen to it, and if she feels like he's talking to him, or you know what I mean? Anybody yeah. that's lost somebody, man, they can relate to that.
0: Yeah, you got it's it's man, it's powerful. That's all I can say, bro. Thank you, <laughs> powerful Thank song. You. Now, we, we we talked about your parents, but we're going to talk about your, the, the joys of your life, those three girls. <laughs> okay. Hey, yeah. What are the most important things you're trying to instill into them?
1: Um, one that, um, first of all, their daddy is crazy. And, uh, <laughs> <we won't... laughs> nah, I mean, um, I just, I want them to know that no matter what, that I will always be there for them. Uh, no matter what, no matter right, wrong, I'm there. Um, I want them to know that they are well-protected. And I want them to know that, you know, I love their mother and and they deserve respect from any man that they come in contact with. You know what I mean? They need to be treated like the queens they are.
0: That's great, man, because, you know, it's just so much, you know, negativity going on. and, And fortunately, especially... I don't want to say especially, but I'm gonna just deal with our community because this is what I that's
1: me and my wife talk about that all the time. I'm like, I don't worry about nobody else. I'm talking about us.
0: Yeah, and it's just like family has been devalued in my opinion. Like people people devalue marriage, they devalue family. And I'm gonna tell you, man. Go ahead.
1: It's it's weird, man. Um I don't know if you know I think you had said that you you guys had watched the vlogs or you know what I mean? We' we tried to we tried to open up our family unit to the world you know what i mean the youtube world or, or whatever and um for me like obviously everybody uh, loves the uh the praise that comes with that like oh you guys are beautiful you guys are you know what i mean but it got to a point where <clears throat> the negativity was kind of creeping up like it was like too negative and it was from our people it wasn't white people doing this
0: Mm. you
1: feel what i'm saying it wasn't white people saying crazy stuff about us it was our people and to me i'm like yo me nor my wife have any of that energy toward anybody you know what i mean and it was like people tearing us down and oh he's this and he's that man they had a whole blog dedicated to I mean, well, it wasn't just dedicated to us, but it was a celebrity blog where they talk about people. And I ain't even gonna say their name to give them any type of, you know what I mean? But it's just like, to me, when I'm opening up my family, like I said, in the beginning of this, I'm crazy, dog. When it comes to them, I'm crazy. You know what I mean? I'm not no internet dude. If somebody talking reckless or crazy about my family, like, I want to find them. You know what I mean? Obviously, I can't. But it's like, you know, so I I made a decision to remove all of us from that. I'm like Yolanda, you do your thing, but I'm not gonna subject my girls to that type of that type of stuff. You know what I mean? And and you know, people will say, well, if you're not ready for critics, you're not ready for success and all that. That's BS, bro. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put my girls in the line of fire for any of that. Yeah, you
0: know I I mean, that, you know? yeah, you gotta be the like. People don't understand. You as the father, you the protector, man. Like. Why would anybody say anything crazy like that to you? Like you're not ready for success? No, nah,
1: I mean, but the, but you know, when when people be like, "If you you're not ready for critics and all," I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh when it comes to my family, that's my family. You yeah. can tell me my you can tell me my music suck. You can tell me that I suck. You can tell me that I'm fake knowledgeable or whatever. Don't talk about my family. You feel That's yeah, what I'm saying. What and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it's like it's like you know, uh, I can take any of that, but when it come to them, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And I'm not gonna, I'm not no, no amount of money, no amount of, uh, accolades, popularity, none of that. I'm not putting, I'm not subjecting those girls to that. You know what I mean? Because they didn't ask for that. You know what I mean? And, and so we made a, a conscious decision to step back and now, you know, people be all on our IG. We miss the vlogs and all that. And you know, shout out to everybody that really supported us and did all that. But you know, uh, uh it's a handful of people that messed it up for everybody, you know what I mean? Cause I if I could find who it was, it would be different, but I can't find. It. <laughs> yeah. You feel what I'm saying? You,
0: yeah, you just gotta do you gotta do what's best for you and your family, man. Like absolutely that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, again, you being the man, you being the protector. If you feel like it's best we could remove your family from that situation. You gotta do that.
1: Absolutely. And um, you know, Yolanda will tell you, like, you know, I play the back with a lot of stuff and let her do her thing. But when it's time for me to take the reins, I take the reins, you know, and and uh, you know, put my foot down on certain things. And it's not being like, you know, she's submissive to what I say and all that, but it's like, yo, I know what's best in this particular situation and that's what we're gonna do and that's what we're going with, you know. And she always respects that. And, and um, you know, she she still does her tutorials and, and, and make sure whoever's listening, go subscribe to her channel. And she still, you know, posts stuff, but it just won't, it's less family stuff, you know?
0: And um, yeah. that's, that's just understand. how we, yep. That's understandable. Like, I mean, I, I commend you again for making that decision. And then even when yep. you said the, the word, it's the word "submissive" has become like a I don't know yeah, what the yeah, term, yeah. term is. But my thing on that, like the thing, here's my take on the word "submissive." I uh-huh. think people have people have misused it. Where right. it's not even it, it's not even about submissive. It's just about knowing your partner's strengths and weaknesses. Like if you right. know if you know your partner's strong or something, then you take a step back. They're like right. there are some things that that the wife will be strong at, there's some things that the husband will be strong at. So the Absolutely. key is so the key is when you're in tune with each other, you know which and what phases that you should step back and you should take the lead. So I commend you for knowing when to take the lead and when to take the yeah. step back.
1: I appreciate that man. I appreciate
0: that. Definitely so I, I know you know I know we both busy you got things going. So I just wanted to thank you man for doing this. Um again oh, man. A, thank,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Hey, man, I'm a fan of your work. I'm going to continue to, you know, continue to follow you and, and listen to the music. And I want to give you the opportunity to tell people how they can follow you as well. Uh,
1: they can they can follow me on uh, Devin Beck 365 on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Devin Beck on Facebook. I don't know if I can have any more friends, but <laughs> I, it, <laughs> reach out. Um, my, my latest project, Lost in Translation, is now available on uh Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you can stream uh The Resistance, A Blank Canvas Should Be Illegal is also available on those platforms. Make sure you check my music out. Um and that's pretty much it, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey man, thank you. And the, the for those who listening, you can follow me as well Conversations with Lamp on IG and Facebook. And I hope you all continue to like and share my episodes. And you all have a great day.
1: All right, man. Thank you.